She's built amazing unit economics by building up a almost 200 person team in India. She's got 12 folks in San Francisco, another one in Boise, Idaho, growing build.io, really helping you get reporting analytics built in. It's really the first cloud-based API enterprise suite that helps you more quickly digitally transform your business through, you know, you know, pass, headless CMS and their other products. Uh, they broke a million back in 2013, founded about 10 years ago. No money raised, which I love. This is the top where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This that database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Neha Sampat. She is the CEO of Built.io, a 2017 Gartner Magic Quadrant vendor and 2016 Gartner Cool vendor that provides a digital business platform to help organizations accelerate their digital transformation. She's a recognized industry leader and has led product marketing, cloud computing, and online experiences for Sun Microsystems and VMware. She's a proponent, proponent of diversity and an outspoken advocate for nurturing women leaders in her industry. She was named a San Francisco Business Times 40 Under 40 honoree, one of 50 women in tech dominating Silicon Valley in 2015, and part of SF Business Times 2017 list of most influential women in business. Neha, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Let's roll. Am I hired? Was that a good bio or what? <laughs> it's pretty good. Did you write that? <laughs> I, that was good stuff. All right. So tell us what Built.io does and what's your business model? How do you make money? Yeah, absolutely. So Built.io is essentially a digital transformation platform. And we started the company about 10 years ago when digital transformation was not a buzzword, but it was the sort of the, when, when transformation was starting to happen. So if you think about um, challenges that were happening in large enterprises, technology was coming in from the outside in, people were bringing in mobile apps, cloud was starting to become a real thing. Mobile was pervasive and people did not know what to do inside large organizations. And so we essentially provide a platform that allows you to build apps very quickly, communicate content across various channels and connect all of the disparate systems that don't talk to each other. And the way that we make money is essentially we sell those products into enterprise companies. It's mainly a SaaS model, but we also offer services and licensed deals that may not be SaaS. And are those, I mean, would you consider those kind of professional services or like on-prem kind of solutions or what? We have both. So we do, we actually started off as a professional services company where we're bootstrapped and that's how we kind of um, got to this point, you know, you're still bootstrapped today. Still bootstrapped, never took a penny from anyone. Oh my gosh. I'm hugging Neha through my computer screen. She's from Silicon Valley and she hasn't raised money. I love this women. <laughs> that's we great. Are, 
We're definitely an underdog and we're not we're not a typical Silicon Valley company at all. I operate at profitability, which um, nobody else I know really does. But um, essentially we've we've built this business based on real needs, real customers, what's happening in, in uh, the market and the products that we've built essentially are now hitting the perfect product market fit because digital transformation is real. Everybody's looking for it. Everyone's trying to solve these problems and we have products that allow them to do that. That's great. What's your team size at today? So we are about 200 people. I have 192 people in India and 12 in San Francisco and one in Boise, Idaho. Oh, oh wow. What's the Boise, Idaho role? I'm curious. Um, he is one of our sales development reps. Got it. Interesting. Um, okay, good. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, how did you, what is that team in India doing? I imagine there's some, there's something they're really hyper, hyper focused on. Yeah, so the team in India is mainly our R&D team as well as our professional services team. So it's the organization that essentially builds the products, so core engineering, as well as supporting customers abroad on a 24-7 model, as well as just managing customer success and making sure that when we get a customer on board to use our products, that they have the services they need to get up and running and, and, and operate autonomously. Do you have real economic advantage there in terms of your, you know, what you can pay a salary-wise, but what you get quality-wise? Of course, yeah, absolutely. And and it's part of the secret sauce and, and shouldn't be a big surprise to anyone. But um, of course, there's economic with hiring in India, I think what's um, what's great about our model and what's different about our model is that we are in a part of India that's um, that's fairly remote. It's not in the the well-known areas for Indian um, kind of the Indian Silicon Valley, which would be Bangalore, Hyderabad. Um, and in Delhi and Pune, we're actually in a part of Mumbai that's not that known for technology companies. And so we have the opportunity to hire the cream of the crop from that area. And they stick around because they're happy to be able to stay in their area. And they, they join us early and they stay with us as lifers. And I'd be happy to say that, you know, our first 10, uh, our first 10 employees in India are still with us. How did you get that beachhead set up? Um, so we luckily had a connection. My co-founder was able to use a property that was in his family to get us up and running. It used to be an old tile factory. We converted it into a small software um, factory that essentially um, held five to 10 people at the beginning. And now we're hosting 200 people, hoping to grow to about 500 in that location. And what's the most difficult thing about that? Like, is internet speed an, a real issue? Or is that just, it's just fantasy. The West likes to say it is, but it's not. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> Give me one or two. So um, just to give you a really interesting anecdote, we when we moved there initially, we did not have high-speed internet. We had to work with about 15 different service providers to figure out how to do it. Um, finally, we had a contact that was willing to make this happen for us. They really wanted a tech company to be in that region. It was um, the local city council. They helped us contact an ISP that had um, a connection over um, over a hill that was away from our town. They set up a tower on top of the hill to give us line of sight into the factory, and we've had high speed internet ever since. Oh my god! Is it super? What do you? I mean, what do you pay per month on high speed internet just for that that facility? I actually don't know that number. Is but it I'm big? Guessing it's, a, it's probably somewhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars. Okay, I mean that's not crazy. That's amazing. And more, yeah. you still get huge economic, even with that cost, you still have huge economic advantage on the headcount expense. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and it's it's across the board in terms of infrastructure. We've solved many many of those problems. You know, we've had to buy generators over the years. We recently installed solar to to capitalize on the opportunity to bring down our electricity costs. So all of that is happening, and and India is moving really fast, which puts us in an advantage as well. That's amazing. Okay, let's go back to your product. So you mentioned kind of two or three different ways you're making money, whether it's a SaaS play or kind of the managed service professional services side. What, what's the um, what's the do, I imagine more than 80% of your revenue comes from the SaaS. Is that accurate? It's getting there. And um, okay. we're actually still in that transition to a SaaS company. I would say that we officially started that transition about six quarters ago. Okay. So um, I can't give you the exact breakdown, but we're well on our way to becoming led by SaaS. Yep. We still have several deals on the on the OEM um, kind of license side that are over a million dollars. And those are the ones that bring in, you know, the funding essentially yep. for the rest of the business. But we feel like the SaaS business is where the volume is going to be over a period of time. When was your first million dollar year? Do you and your co-founder remember? Um, it was my first quarter as the CEO of the company, which was 17 quarters ago. You're making me do math here. 17 <laughs> quarters ago divided by four would have been about four years ago, so 2013. <laughs> Yeah, end of 2013 was your was your million dollar year. Okay, now you, the way you said that actually sparked another question. So, I mean, are you one of the founders of the company or were you brought in by the founders? Yeah, so I was one of the founders. My co-founder and I started it together in, um, in mid-2017, but I took an advisor role. Wait, you started in 2017 or 2007? Uh, sorry, 2007, yeah. 10 years ago. Um, so I, I actually took on an advisory role and um, I was a co-founder and kind of helped out where I could, but I essentially funded the first few hires until we got to a point where we were profitable, which um, luckily only took a couple quarters. How and much I of just, your own money did you sink in, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I can't give you that exact number, but um, but let's say that the, the at the first year, uh, my co-founder did not take a salary. Got it. And, um, and our first few hires were funded out of my paycheck. Got it. And did you did you have a kind of a big financial win before this in the terms of an exit, or were you just diligent and you saved money from your VMware salary and your other kind of tech tech roles? I was just very careful with cash, as I always am. Yeah, that's great. That's really really smart. Um, okay, good. So you funded it. You got going. Now, talk me through the transition. So so why was there a switch in 2013? Yeah, so we when we started the company, we wanted to be a product company. It was a bit early for its time. So if you think about almost 10 years ago, um, if you say that you want to build integration in the cloud, people still did not really even know what cloud was, but that was the vision, right? So my co-founder comes from an, the integration space where you're doing integration with big data center systems. And he said, hey, everything's starting to move to the web. We didn't even call it cloud then. So when we started the company, it was let's build integration on the web, which meant connecting Salesforce to something, right? And um, and at that time, what we found is that customers we were trying to bring on board to this idea were trying to figure out, how do I build a workload in the cloud? What does that even mean? And so we started off building out workloads in the cloud, and that was building out websites, web applications, mobile applications. And quickly, that led to our first product, which was Built.io Backend, and that we launched in 2013. And so Got that it. was the of our transition to SaaS. That was our first SaaS product. And then a year later, we launched the content management system, which is a headless CMS. And then a year and a half later, we launched Built.io Flow, which was the product that we started the company for in the first that's, place. That's great. So what's the, I don't want to go into every cohort, because uh, you have a bunch of different customers, but on average, what would you say a customer is paying you per month? 
So our average ASP, and I look at it mostly on an annual model, is is um, growing to about 50k a year. Okay. Uh, and that's that's about doubled in size since last year. That's great. So you have a real playbook for driving expansion revenue. Absolutely, yeah, and you know, mostly focused on the enterprise side. We do have ten dollar a month um, plans that you can buy on the web, but that's a really small part of our business. It's mainly to bring people in and get them to kind of understand our products. And how many customers are you serving today? So on the on sort of a credit card trial basis, I would say we're in the thousands, and on the paying customers that are on the enterprise side, in the hundreds. Okay, that's great. But can we say below three hundred and six hundred, or between three hundred and six hundred? Below a thousand? You can say below a thousand. Below a thousand, great. Okay, good. So, so uh, take me through, uh, this will be an interesting question. What's the weirdest thing you've done to acquire a customer? Can't say inbound marketing or paid ads or anything. Um, so an interesting fact about me is I'm a certified sommelier. So what is um, that? It's a, it's an expert in wine. So I spent two years of my life drinking a lot of wine and studying it and thinking about it. I want your life. Overly, overly examining wine. And, um, I would say one of our, our most interesting ways to acquire customers is when we go to conferences and large events, or even at our office here in San Francisco, we will host prospects and analysts and press for a um, wine tasting event. And, um, and my, one of my colleagues and I who studied wine together, will do a whole conversation about wine and it usually leads into people drinking a little bit more wine and then eventually wanting to do business together. And then so, pulling their credit card out. Well, yeah, or at least little checkbooks, right? <laughs> I can see you going, you going, okay, ready to make a purchase? And they're saying, yes, but I only have credit card. And you're saying, no problem. We have a square reader right here. Let's go. <laughs> Or a 45-page MSA, depending on who you're talking to. Oh, my gosh. See, I don't envy that part of your business. Okay. Talk to me about some other economics here around, you know, a SaaS company. What's gross logo churn look like annually? Um, so it, it, the churn from our perspective is is um, still very low, and I, I would say that it's too early to tell where we're going to go, but we're at about a 90% retention rate right now. Oh, great. And um, in the last couple of years, we've maintained that. That's our target. So we expect that most of our customers will stick around for, for five to 10 years because once they get things running on the products, there's really no reason to leave unless they're, they're ending their own product or their own initiative. And what do you on average pay to acquire these customers? fully weighted so including any inside sales folks or people like that or paid spend etc yeah it's about um at this point about 80 percent of the first um the annual contract value of the first year so your payback's less so, than 10 months it's pretty good yeah and it, hopefully it'll stay that way although we're we're starting to invest heavily in sales and marketing so i expect that we'll kind of see a shift in that moving into next year and uh, and then hopefully we'll normalize again now you mentioned your your acv is really in the getting close to the fifty thousand dollar range so your payback you said is about you know you know four or three-fourths the way through that first year or 10 months but are they paying all that cash up front yeah, we, we try to, um, with enterprise customers, sometimes you can't always get what you want in terms of terms, but we definitely make that the norm and try to get cash up front. Um, given that we are not a funded business, cash is king, yep. and having the cash up front helps us kind of operate you know, at a profitable rate. Do you have any weird above-the-line expenses, or do you see typical margins like most SaaS companies in the 85 to 90% range? Um, so on the SaaS side of our business, definitely in the in the low to mid 80s, and that's our target, hoping to get a bit higher. On the um, on the services side, it's a lot lower. Because of people. 
it's people and we actually use the services to help fund some of the sales and um, what I mean by that is if you're trying to bring a new customer on board and they're not and they're on the marketing side they don't necessarily have a development team or an IT team to support them we can provide those services so we're it's a competitive advantage for us hot dang look at that a San Francisco based company that actually uses their own products this is like so refreshing (laughs) thank you no that's great (laughs) and so um, we you know, from the services side, we're not really investing in that business. It may grow, but most of it is being used to help us fund the SaaS model. I love that. And then give me a sense of like total uh, paid spend you're doing per month, only paid. So Google, Facebook, stuff like that. Are we talking like 50 grand, 10 grand, 100 grand? Less. Um, we're, we're just experimenting right now. On the on the marketing side, most of our funds are spent on events and um, PR and AR. Yeah. We're What's AR? Analyst relations. So Got it. Talked about Gartner at the beginning, you know. How yeah, much per year, per year on that stuff? Conferences, ARPR. Um, under a million dollars. Under a million. Okay, great. And um, okay, good. So, and then you're just now starting to experiment with some of the other kind of paid uh, paid acquisition models. Um, last question here before we wrap up with the famous five. Uh, it's the holiday party. We're gonna role play for a second. December 2017 holiday party. You guys are cheersing with your favorite wine. Everyone's celebrating because you hit your stretch revenue goal. The one that's uncomfortable now, but it's a stretch. What is that goal? What are you trying to hit? Well, um, this year is going to be very interesting because we're going through a lot of transition. But our stretch goal as a company is to is to become a billion-dollar company. <laughs> of course. Um, well, we will not get there this year in December. Yep. Um, What's your but- revenue target, though, this year? I can't I can't share that number, but um, but let's say that we're we're on our way to doubling what we did last year. Okay. Have you generally over the past four or five years doubled each year? I mean, is that an average? Would you say? Well, actually, we actually took a, a bit of a pause because we did the transition from services to SaaS. Okay. So what we're really focusing on this year is doubling our SaaS revenue. Okay. Interesting. I, I'm trying to run the numbers now in my head. So you told me 1 million 2013, you broke. I mean, can, can, can I try and pin you down a little bit and say, did you break the three or $4 million mark last year? Um, you, you can say that. Okay, good. There we go. There we go. That's some good stuff. I look, I love your story. Self-funded bootstrapped using your own product. I mean, growing like crazy. This is great. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I want to tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal, and I want to show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com, click the red button that says install this on Gmail, and when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report, and you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use, www.thetopinbox.com. Neha, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? 
I have to say it's money money ball because it's about a team of under, underdogs, underfunded people that are trying to kind of beat beat the system. By the way, I'm sure you've been offered capital. Why do you keep saying no? Um, we, we haven't needed it yet. And, and when we do, we'll find the right partner. It'll be for the right reasons. And it'll be because we have a plan that will take all of our products forward. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I have to say Elon Musk because <laughs> I mean, he's just amazing and crazy. And I, I get inspired by him regularly. Number three, what is your favorite online tool? Like Acuity Scheduling. I use Alfred on my Mac. I use it for everything. And it's called um, Alfred? Alfred. Have you heard of Alfred? No. It's like a butler for your Mac. And it's like a master of shortcuts. And without Alfred, I think I'd be about 40% less productive. Interesting. Okay, number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? I try to get six to seven. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Married, no kids. No kids. Okay. And do you mind me asking how old you are? I just turned 40. Wow. Okay. Amazing. So take us back 20 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? I would say do not start questioning yourself. You're confident now. Keep that confidence. Anything else will just slow you down. That's amazing. There you guys have it from Neha. Do not question yourself. She's built amazing unit economics by building up a almost 200-person team in India. She's got 12 folks in San Francisco, another one in Boise, Idaho, growing built.io, really helping you get reporting and analytics built in. It's really the first cloud-based API enterprise suite that helps you more quickly digitally transform your business through you know, you know, pass headless CMS and their other products. Uh, they broke a million back in 2013, founded about 10 years ago. No money raised, which I love. Neha, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it.